Players Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Goldberg, Certified Financial Planner and Private Wealth Advisor at AWM Capital. Uh, today, we got a great guest. We're going to be talking about PGA Tour University. Uh, we have Senior Director at the PGA Tour, Brendan Von Doren, with us. Uh, he is the creator of PGA Tour University. So we're going to have him answer some questions about not only how it was created, how it works, and then some of the questions that we've been hearing on the ground from players, coaches, agents, every parents, everyone in that inner circle as you as the player are trying to turn pro and want to make sure that you understand exactly how the system works and what advantages you could be getting from uh, the PJ Tour University. So without further ado, Brendan, thanks for joining us. Looking forward to the conversation. Uh, but yeah, thanks for being here. Absolutely, Aaron. Thank you for uh, having me on. Great to be with you on this. Perfect. You know, we, we've been getting some questions and I, I don't think it's uh, confusion based on the system being uh, confusing. I think it's just lack of time being spent really reading up on it and kind of the telephone game of, hey, someone hears this, someone hears that, and then they tell this person. And so I think a little bit gets lost in translation. So one thing we want to do is try to clarify as much as possible. Um, on this podcast, we want to be uh, the best source of information for professional golfers and players that are going to be turning professional. So we figured, hey, if there's confusion, why not go to the source? And as the creator of PJ Tour University, we figured uh, you'd be the best one to ask. So uh, we really appreciate it. So as we get going, why don't we take a step back and have you tell us a little bit about how this system got created and what went into it? Sure, absolutely. No, uh, that's a great starting point. And really, PGA Tour University uh, has been an initiative and a project that uh, has now been going probably into four years in the making. Um, so, you know, I think this past year with the with the big three coming out in college, you know, catching fire, I think everybody looked at it and and, and thinking that the PGA Tour had a quick reaction to all that. And if it were only that easy, we would uh, be way ahead of the game. But uh, going back, really, um, Aaron, kind of like your background, to start a little bit of this, um, you know, I played in college and I coached in college, uh, now been at the PGA Tour six years and, and um, in a different couple business capacities. And Really, I think as we take a look at our business, um, you know, four years ago and its relationship with college, um, as you know, and a lot of your listeners know, there's really never been an official relationship between the PGA Tour and college golf. Um, and really, that's gone back now 54 years that there's been sort of this um, overlap, so to speak, between the two um, organizations. And uh, the reality is, is the game has changed, right? Professional golf is is modernized. The players are, are, are exceptional, um, achieving success right away at all levels, the Corn Ferry Tour, the PGA Tour, the International Tours. And so this was a chance for us at PGA Tour University to take a look at that and figure out what is a sort of a holistic approach to the college game, you know, everything from eligibility to access to education to all those things that as we look at, you know, the college game is the lifeblood of our tours. Um, you know, we, we've looked at the data and the research uh, to show obviously that PJ Tour, Corn Ferry Tour members that predominantly are coming from the college game. And so that's the hotbed for us. And so we looked at it as a business opportunity uh, to really reach down into the college game and figure out a system that is, is fair and equitable and, and um, 
I think a, a platform that's positioned to be a win-win for everybody, right? It's a win for college. It's a win for the professional game. And so all those little things was the genesis of PJ Tour U. Um, we spent really a long time vetting this uh, feedback from every stakeholder and constituent really involved in this. Um, you know, the governing bodies, the, the USJRNA, the NCAA, obviously, you know, our players uh, at every level, the college game. So it was very slow and deliberate and thoughtful. Um, but I think at the end of it, you know, this past June 1st, 2020, when we launched it, um, it was something kind of culminating and, and I think is really going to be transformational uh, for the future ahead of us. Yeah, that's great. And I, a lot of things you said there had to go back into how many people had input and how many people you, you at the tour talked to about this to make sure that you weren't just jumping into something. I know I've, I've talked with a lot of college coaches and um, coaches on the GCAA board um, and they've had a lot of conversations with you guys and, and a lot of input on it. And I think that's that shows in how the system's set up because it, it really will value college golf and and strengthen their game as well as strengthening the tour in the future. So I think that's great that you were not only willing, but what but sought out that input. Yeah, I think anything that that has to be long lasting really has got to be, you know, thought out and spend considerable amount of time with all these constituents to to ensure that, you know, I'm sure we'll always have tweaks to PJ Tour University as we move forward, like any kind of business property. But I think to get it off the ground with buy in from everybody across, um, you know, the game of golf. There has to be that that uh, that feedback and thought. And again, not everybody, you know, kind of gets their way and their their Christmas wish list, shall we say? But uh, I think it's it's multi beneficial for everybody. Yeah, I mean, with the amount of people I've talked to about it, I've I've heard nothing but really good reviews about it. And like you said, of course, everyone has their wish list items that could have been included or not included. But it's pretty rare, especially in golf. We know how much golfers and, and including myself and you in this like to complain about especially things like rankings. It's pretty impressive how few the complaints have been. I mean, everyone seems to, especially for the first year, be like, yeah, you know what? They, they did a really good job of getting this set up. So kudos to you and your team and everyone that helped put that together because I know how hard that can be and I know how hard it is to uh, please not only golfers, but golfers on multiple different levels that have different stakes in this too. Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, you know, some, some days were harder than others, but again, I think at the end of this is really something that I think is going to be, uh, sustainable for our business, sustainable for college golf. And really, um, you know, as I like to think about it and say with, with others, there's no better time to play college golf than now. And as we, as we look forward, so the days of when you played and, and, um, everyone before it's, it's a new day in college golf. Yeah, it's crazy. We were, we were talking about this last week, but, you know, when when we were coming out of college, we didn't have anything like this. And, you know, just the stepping stones now, not only to get out on these tours, but then the stepping stones that these tours have, not only with the playoffs on the Corn Ferry Tour, but the step ups from the, uh, the McKenzie Tour, the Latin America Tour, the China Tour, you know, it was a long time ago now, but I was fortunate enough to win the money list in Canada. And, I got to go to second stage, you know, that, that was my big prize for it. Um, which at the time was great, but it's a lot different than now where you'd have full status on corn Ferry tour the next year. So, um, the guys that think they should be getting more like, 
be happy with what you're getting. You know, obviously there's always room for improvement and, and tours moving in that direction, but um, Hey, it, it's on the backs of, of hardworking guys like us that it, they got there. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. We, uh, we appreciated it. So um, one other thing, as we talk about the development of the, of this, that I had a question about, you mentioned this, you know, Th- there is benefits to the tour and, and you understand that this is the bread and butter of where your future players are going to come from. We'll get into the the benefits for the college players, but can you speak a little bit to the benefits that you, uh, the tour see, um, whether it's immediate or in the future? Yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a few things. I'll just kind of raise a couple. I think one on the competitive side, you know, this is going to strengthen our competitive products. So if we know, you know, that we have a pipeline for these top college players to ensure that they play with us and they have a path that is potentially accelerated through our system, that makes our fields, that makes, you know, every every player in the field matter that much more. So just innately, it's going to strengthen our competitive product. I, I think second, you know, um, more on the business side is, this is going to allow us to really storytell a lot better uh, of the college players coming up, um, you know, and through our system, obviously with, you know, the golf channel and, and their commitment to college golf, you're starting to see names and understand who these players are younger. And so this is just a vehicle for us to transport those players and, and have them much more recognizable earlier on, you know, in their PGA tour career. So, Things like this is really just, you know, making uh, in some ways, you know, the process a bit faster and and like I said, accelerated. So for us, it's, you know, fan engagement as well, Um, you know, for for our product, you know, uh, um, new fans uh, serving existing core fans, you know, kind of golf people that love college golf and geeking out on that, Um, you know, PG3 University serves for that. So I think selfishly for us uh, as a business, those are things that, you know, prior to PGA Tour U, we we obviously didn't have. And this is going to really amplify all those areas. Yeah, that's great. And I think the one thing you said is the storytelling. I think that's going to be go both ways. It's going to be beneficial for the tour, obviously, especially for the guys that get up there real fast. But it's also beneficial for the players because they're going to have a bigger platform from the start um, to feed off of. And I... um, you know, I want to stay on topic with the rankings, but I think on the business side, I think for players, you know, in the next five to 10 years, that's really going to be important for them is understanding their platform and what they can do with the storytelling side of it. So um, that that's great that that's one of the things that went into it. Let, let's, uh, let's shift gears a little bit and let's go into how the rankings work. Um, I think let, let's start with just a base level and work our way up because I want to make sure that everybody that's listening ha- has a good understanding of it um, because I think it is important to really define, you know, what events go into it, how they're ranked, how the strength of schedules work, um, what tournaments do count, what tournaments don't. Um, and then, you know, at the back end of that, you know, what does the top five get? What do six through 15 get that type of thing? Sure. So before we get into rankings, I think to set up into that, let's just talk about eligibility on who is eligible for PGA Tour U, just to, to kind of clarify for everybody. And I think that that works into the to the ranking discussion. So for us, um, again, as we looked at this over a number of years, um, this program is is for players that exhaust uh, four years in college golf. So they have to be, you know, in simple terms, a senior. And um, we've been steadfast on that belief. Um, not only, you know, I think what says about players staying in school and encouraging 
players to get a degree in education. I think as a company, that's very powerful. I think beyond that, though, um, as we looked at it, and we kind of started backwards, we took a look at the PGA Tour and, and who's successful at the top uh, of, of the golfing world and, and those characteristics. Where did they come from? You know, where did they play? And the reality is, um, you know, the numbers show that if a player stays in college for four years, he's very likely, if he's at the top of his game, to then be for a long period of time at the top of golf uh, at the PGA Tour level. And so working backwards, um, we made our eligibility around that, right? And and it's for those players that are very mature. They've showed sustained success in college. They've showed how to win. They've showed, you know, long periods of play. And they're not they're not outliers that just kind of catch a hot streak, you know, for one semester and and you know, they're 18 years old. So I would say off the top of the bat, you know, PJ Tour U in, in some regards is not not aimed at everybody. Um in in some aspects, I think you know, those outliers of success that that maybe want to turn pro early or for other reasons, that's all fair game, right? And and you can turn pro at any time and, and try to make your way through the tours. But PJ Tour U was really um, designed for those four-year players. And so, you know, COVID's thrown a little bit of a wrench in that this year. But it, again, in simple terms, um, it's for that fourth-year player, you'll start to show up in the rankings. And about the rankings, we can get into that. And that is, uh, yeah, for, for everybody out there, again, we studied this uh, over a long period of time, whether, you know, we maybe take it in-house and do a ranking, or, or obviously there's a number of different college rankings out there. Um, and I think, uh, as you alluded to early in the podcast, that everybody can complain about rankings, right, uh, at every level. And that's just, uh, that's the nature of the world we live in. But uh, we we ended up partnering with the World Amateur Golf Ranking. Um the RNA and the USGA um, to, to really use their ranking um, engine and their system per se. Um, and so just very simply, I'll try to take everybody through this, that how Wagger um, is ranking players and their points um, awarded for events, right? Whether it's amateur or college, we are using that same um that, that same way and the same point values associated with, with Wagger for PGA Tour University. So again, we are not calculating our own point system. That is, that is housed now through Wagger. Uh, but what we are doing is we are putting on some filters onto Wagger's ranking. And those filters are uh, the types of events that are counted in our ranking, as well as the ranking period. Um, so first, the type of events uh, for PGA Tour University ranking we are taking all Division One college events, as well as PGA Tour events, um, including three of the four majors that a player would be eligible for. So, again, it is not for um, the summer amateur play. It's not for summer amateur tournaments. It's specifically designed for Division One college events and PGA Tour events. Uh, for this 2021 class, uh, the ranking period started in the spring of 2019. Um, and moving forward, obviously, until the conclusion of the 2021 NCAA National Championship. So that any any events between spring of 2019 uh, all the way up to the NCAA's count. So there's not a falling off or a, a you know 104 week rolling period like Wagger does. We have a designed um, beginning point and a designed end point. So players that are currently playing that are listening to this, you know, the remainder eight weeks or so here. Um, that all counts, obviously, until the end of the national championship. 
And then for the 2022 class, we'll have a new set of players in and a new ranking period. Perfect. I think that's a, a great background on on how it works, why you guys did it the way you did. And I think it shows that it, that why it is working is because you're you're using a system that's been in place for a little while that the USGA and RNA have developed and, and works well. Um, a couple of questions to, to go off of that. It just to make sure everyone understands, including myself, the the point system is an average um, of the events, correct? So they're not just adding on new points uh, if they play more events. It's still there's a divisor uh, that's factored in. So that's correct. Yes. Yes. So the divisor for us for this 2021 class is 13 events. Um, and, and again, this is a very odd situation where we had, uh, you know, spring of last year canceled this past fall, we had a mixed bag of teams playing. So a player, the minimum divisor for us is 13. So in simple terms, it's going to be your total number of points you've earned in our period divided by, you know, your divisor number. If you played more than 13 events, it would be how many ever number of events you've played. Um, and that gives you your average points. Uh, just again, and that's how we're basically, that's how, that's the basis for our ranking. Perfect. And then we talked about this uh, prior um, to this podcast. And I, I think it's really important for people to understand um, why we, why you included just the college events and not the amateur events. I think it's, there was, you made some really good points of why. Yeah. So it was, um, as we looked at it and again, our objective, um, really one of our objectives obviously is at, at the end of every year to, to identify those top 15 players, the best 15 players uh, within our system. And I think as you take a look at, you know, amateur play and amateur events, you know, there's a wide variety of amateur types that play in events from, from junior players to, to mid amateurs to, to obviously college players. And so as we were looking at, you know, and we'll get to the sort of the access, uh, this, this kind of new access we're giving, um, it, it's very important that we kind of have apples to apples to ensure that these players are playing against each other head to head and we can eliminate some of those amateur um, events to, again, accomplish um, identifying the top 15 players. Um, you know, I would say, and again, the, the feedback over for, over the past few years with, you know, the amateur game in general, I think, um, you know, we're, we're, we're supporting it through, you know, more players obviously staying in school, playing in amateur events. Um, you know, we're not allowing Corn Ferry Tour, International Tour events um, within our ranking to, to hopefully push in the summertime, you know, those college players to play in all these amateur events to, to support those uh, support that kind of sector uh, of the amateur game is very important to us as well. So yes, it's, it's strategically designed for college um, events only. Perfect. Yeah. And I think, I think that, cause that has been a question that's been asked, well, why, you know, I played well in, you know, two of these amateur events, why doesn't that go in? And I think it's important for everyone to realize there was thought behind that. And there's a reason. And I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, it's not apples to apples with everybody else that's in the field. It, if you win the event, yeah, you beat everybody. But if you finish fifth or eighth or 10th and two juniors and a mid-am beats you, how do you rank that? So I think that's, it, it goes well into why. And then it also shows how, what's, how important the college game is and how strong those fields are too. So um, it doesn't take anything away from those amateur events. If anything, it, it helps support them, like you said, because more players hopefully will think about staying amateur, you know, that maybe would have turned pro early. Um, and this way, you know, they'll, they'll have stronger fields in the future. Yeah. I mean, you know, our goal would be to have, 
you know, more players stay in school for PGA Tour University, and I think that's going to bode well for the amateur game in general. Yeah, I would agree with that. Let's uh, let's get into the the access because I think that's really important, and and um, I want to make sure everyone not only understands it but understands what an opportunity it is, because especially in a year like this and and last year where there isn't a lot of whole, uh, there aren't a whole lot of places to play, so access is that much more important. So uh, why don't you take us through that? Yeah. So uh, again, uh, the ranking is ongoing now. You know, it's updated every Wednesday. Guys are jockeying back and forth for what we think of as now as the top five and the top fifteen. So those will be the new sort of trends, and and everyone will understand in college golf. Those are the lines. Um, and so at, at the conclusion of the NCAA national championship, the top five players um, on the ranking list will be exempt um, on the Corn Ferry Tour starting the following week, um, June 7 through 14 at the BMW Charity Pro-Am uh, for the remainder of all the open full field events on the Corn Ferry Tour. So for this uh, season, that'll be seven events. Um, so they, you know, these players become members of the Corn Ferry Tour. They are in membership. You know, they're into the field. This is not sponsors exemptions. This is not anything, you know, it's, it's eligibility that's written in. Um, obviously in those seven events, you know, who knows what a player could do. They could catch fire and they could get their PGA tour card and finish in the top 25 on the corn Ferry tour points list. Um, you know, they could finish top 75 on the corn Ferry tour points list that would then get them into the corn Ferry tour finals, additional three events. Um, regardless of how these players do in those seven events, um, they also have, the access path of final stage of Corn Ferry Tour Q School. So they are exempt into that field as well. And um, by virtue of playing in Corn Ferry Tour finals, that then gets you membership on the Corn Ferry Tour the entire next year. Um, you'll obviously have to play in Q School for your number per se. You know, the better you play in Q School, the better early season access you'll have on the Corn Ferry Tour. But at a bare minimum, they would be a Corn Ferry Tour member um, the following year if they. You know, if they get in as a conditional member, they try to Monday qualify, et cetera. So really, as you think about it and everybody out there, you know, it's it's really the six months, um, you know, from June to kind of December, as well as some access the following year for that top five, uh, which, again, I think as we just kind of sit here and think about this and as you started the podcast from where college golf used to be. That is, you know, an understatement to say an incredible opportunity for these players to really get a head start, um, you know, they're going to have to prove it with their clubs, like everything, you know, golf is a meritocracy and, um, you know, this is not a golden ticket for life. This is, um, you know, an ability for them to, to access fields, to potentially play well and, and accelerate through the corn, the corn Ferry tour to the PGA tour. Um, players six through 15 uh, on the PGA tour university um, ranking list would have access into uh, the international tours. Uh, again, the week following the NCAA National Championship um, on PJ Tour, McKenzie Tour, PJ Tour Canada, or um, PJ, uh, Latino America Tour. Uh, and then again, depending on how they do, they also have um, access and are exempt into the second stage of Corn Ferry Tour Q School uh, again in, uh, later in the year. So uh, as I just said, for those players, those 10, that's an incredible opportunity to be exempt into to McKenzie Tour. You know, you, you know, you can plan your schedule, you can plan your travel, you know exactly what you're doing, which is just, you know, enormous for those players. 
And, um, you know, you really know what's out there in front of you. you it's very objective. Um, and, and again, it's a, it's a great opportunity and a path forward for them. Yeah. I mean, it, the, uh, there's a lot to go off there, but the, the opportunity is huge. And I, I think that's underestimated. Uh, I think one of the biggest hurdles when guys turn pro is the adjustment from the college game to pros where in college, you show up with your bag and you better, and you have to have the right color shirt that day, but coach takes care of everything else. Um, the day you turn pro, guess what? That's all gone. You got to figure out how you're getting there, where you're playing, what you're playing in, uh, rental car, hotel, all that stuff. That's before you even show up at the golf course, let alone picking your schedule, getting into an event. So knowing that, Hey, whether you're in the top five and you're in the corn Ferry events for the rest of the the seven events going into the playoffs, um, or it's on the McKenzie tour or, um, Latin America tour. And you're in those events for the rest of the year and knowing that schedule. So you're not trying to plan Monday qualifiers and all sorts of different, uh, travel schedules. And you can build out a schedule that, you know, and, and have access to is it just takes one more variable off the table. And one of the things we talk about a lot is, the more we can remove distractions, the better opportunity you have to play well. As you said, your, your clubs still have to do the talking, but if you can remove distractions, it can. it's really going to help you achieve the most potential you, you can, if, if possible. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're right on. And, and I think, um, you know, to back up more macro, you know, on the 15 and the 5 and the 15 is every year now this is really a pipeline and and an attraction point for for players like this is what everybody's kind of gunning for and, and this is the you know their eyes are kind of set on on this and so to be able to 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 have you know opportunities for these players and really you know for us and, and for the college game to have this connectivity to really start this um i think is you, you know we're going to see this really kind of blossom and and i think for the college game be uh, an attraction point for players around the world, right? To to come to to college in America and, and really have this this direct path wherever you come from. Now, yeah, I you know to be honest, I hadn't really thought about that, but it it, it bodes well for college golf because it's it's just a bigger attraction now um, for those international players to to come over as opposed to staying in their maybe in their home country and and kind of playing on their national amateur team, but not really going to school. Um, so let's let's go over a few questions I've been getting, and and these are questions I have as well. Um, as as this first class, if you will, uh, comes to fruition, um, one of the things I'm interested in is how much do you think over the this last say six weeks of the season or eight weeks of this season before that ranking before nationals and and then the rankings are finalized, how much do you think we're going to see movement there, or do you think it's pretty much just jockeying for position at this point. Um, obviously, if somebody gets hot and wins a couple events at the end, they can really work their way up. But are the playoff, I shouldn't say playoffs, the you know the national championship, the NCAA regionals, and the conference championships, are those strength of schedules higher enough than regular season type college events where somebody could make a big move? Or do we kind of know like guys that are in the top 25 are probably the ones that have the best chance to be in the top 15 and, and the top 10 guys really have the best chance to be in the top five and everyone outside of that. Um, yeah, they could win the last four events, but outside of that, they're going to have a tough time really making a big move. 
Yeah, I think without using specifics, I think you you you've got a pretty good grasp on it there towards the latter part of what you said. I think you know really the the conference championships, the regionals, the national championship. I mean, those are going to be high point value tournaments. Just looking at the strength of of the players, you know, one to hundred or whatever the field size is, right? So those are kind of concentrated with really good players, which means you know the finish positions, those those top finish positions are going to carry some pretty heavy points, especially at nationals. Um, so I do think that you could see a player, you know, move up quite a bit. I think, you know, to some degree, it's going to be relative, right? Because our, our sample size goes all the way back to, to spring of 19. So, and it's designed that way, you know, to, to really um, see sort of a body work. Obviously, we want hot hands coming into our events, you know, and, and, and it's likely that those players that are towards the top will likely play pretty well in those events, just Again, looking historically how they've played over the the, the breadth of, of the time. But I think to your point, you know, if you're a top 50 player or so, um, you know, you got a lot to play for, a lot of points out there on the table, um, you know, and so I wouldn't take anything for granted. I think there's, a, a, a again, a there we will see volatility in the ranking. I think we saw it started a couple of weeks ago, you know, with the new top five players. Um, and so we saw, you know, I think in the top 15, last few weeks, some changes. So, and this is sort of coming off of, you know, I would just say traditional um, week to week college play. This is not even getting into sort of the the meat of the big points. So long winded way of answering your question to say, I, I think we will see some movement, um, but the system is not necessarily designed to see crazy volatility, just like I think, you know, other ranking systems are regardless of professional, amateur, et cetera. And I think that's good. I think it, it rewards somebody if they get hot and, and do really well. And like you said, win a few events or something like that, they're going to have the opportunity to move way up. But overall, it's going to reward their body of work and not just, you know, one or two hot tournaments. So that I think that's a that's a good thing. Um, is there anything in particular, you know, you and, and everybody else behind on your team that I don't want to say or what I would that you're going to be watching for as, as this first class plays out? um in terms of possible future adjustments like you said earlier you know it's something that we'll always keep an eye on as as a business like that we need to make we may need to make adjustments and i you know i don't have anything straight off the top of my head that you know you guys should adjust or would even think about but i but it's always good that i you know you've built it out and you're starting to see the system run is there anything you'll be looking at as as this goes plays out over the next two months to see, hey, maybe we should tweak this a little bit next year? Yeah, I think the um, specifically for next year, I think one of the things, you know, with COVID being thrown in and, um, you know, again, going back to fall, some teams played, some didn't. Spring, you know, last year they didn't. It's for this 22 class, just understanding sort of, um, you know, our ranking period as well as the divisor to ensure that, the new crop of players have a level playing field. And, and again, we start them off in, in August, September, the first uh, ranking for that class um, commensurate with kind of how much they've played. So for us, it's sort of a, a restart over to, to this class in the sense of um, making sure we get those specifics correct. Um, and then hopefully on the back end of 22, 23, uh, we sort of get out of the COVID extra year eligibility stuff. And we have that more traditional, you know, two-year period uh, that's pretty straightforward as well as the four-year players. I think we'll get more into normalcy of all that, but 
besides COVID to your question, you know, we're just going to look at the ranking, um, you know, every year holistically to what is feedback from people, um, you know, to ensure that we are representing the top players. So, you know, again, that's our, that's our motive. That's our goal. That's our driver. So anything to the contrary, where there could be situations where it's not identifying the best players or it's not 11 playing field, you know, we're always going to look at that. We want this thing to be uh, the best it can be. And, and so that for us is an ongoing process. That's not a, you know, one time and then we kind of um, go to sleep on it. But I would say, just like everything, we need to have kind of a longer body of work for this. We need to see, you know, considerable amount of data to, to, to support changes, to support modifications. There's, um, you know, we, we're not working on this with a knee-jerk reaction or, or any opinions as it relates to changes. It's going to have to really warrant and merit uh, changes. And, and of course, we're, uh, we're likely to do it. Perfect. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, it, it's looking at the whole body and not making that, that quick reaction. Um, one thing you mentioned that, that uh, you know, develops a new question for, for me that I've been hearing is the, you know, next year and, and how the rankings will work. And one of the things I've heard from a lot of players that are contemplating, hey, should I stay in the rankings for this year or should I come back for another year? I'm not quite in the top 15, um, you know, maybe not even in the top 30. But hey, if I'm 30th and 15 guys come out of the rankings, well, now all of a sudden I'm 15th in the rankings. And I don't think that's quite true because they're forgetting that the juniors this year, the third year players, are now going to enter the rankings for next year. Uh, so I think it's really important that they understand not only are those uh, players going to be entering from their third year going into their fourth year, but it's understanding the the timeline or the body of work that's going to be calculated on. Yeah, exactly. You you. Uh you're right on in the sense of if you are a 21 player and you're coming back, you know, wherever you are in the ranking, it's not necessarily an identifier at all where you're going to be in 22. Um, we're going to have a new crop of players coming in. Um, we're changing the ranking period, changing the divisor. Um, and so again, third year players right now, you know, that are going to be going into the fourth year, as well as guys coming back. So it's a new bucket of players that's going to really establish that first ranking. Um, obviously, if you're a, you know, a, a, a top player in this year, coming back for next year, and you played well this year, you know, those, those events are going to count for you next year. So um, that is, that is bode well for you, but I would not say your finished position this year um, is going to be your starting position um, next year at all. Yeah. I think they're forgetting that there's some, very good third year players this year that uh, will probably definitely be in the top 15 and may even be in the top five uh, when their first rankings come out. So it's, uh, you know, as, as you mentioned in golf, it's a meritocracy. You got to play well, and there's always going to be younger guys coming up that are trying to take your spot. So you better get used to it now while you're in college, because it's not going away when you're a pro. Absolutely. You're, you're, you're right on. It's, it, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to August, September when we, you know, wherever we decide to, to bring out the 22 ranking is getting a sneak peek of what that looks like to see, uh, these underclassmen, you know, the, the juniors this year that are going to be in some of the names that, you know, we haven't been following as much in PGA Tour University because they're not this class, but they're going to pop in and everyone's going to say, Oh yeah, I forgot about that guy. And I forgot about that guy. So to your point, it's, um, uh, no players are running from anything. You know, every class is going to be strong. Um, and that just shows, I think, the depth of college golf that 
you are going to have to play well to be in that five and 15. There, there's no, you know, backing your way into anything. Yeah, exactly. Well, Brendan, hey, I really appreciate it. I think this is great information for not only players, but their parents, their coaches, uh, everybody in that circle of, of college golf and even pro golf, because I think it's very important that the guys on Corn Ferry and PJ Tour understand and, and McKenzie and uh, Latin America Tour understand how this works and why these college players are getting spots. Anything you want to add that we didn't go over before we uh, jump off? No, I would just say, uh, you know, appreciate the support out there from from everybody for this. We're uh, we're super excited about it. Again, from from the PGA Tour standpoint, this is a long time coming. Uh, we think, you know, it, it's um, it's going to be exciting for a lot of others other than us uh, that I mentioned earlier. So, um, you know, good luck to sort of the college players coming down the stretch here. The last uh, eight weeks or so, you got a lot playing. You know, you're playing for a lot. Um, but other than that, Aaron, thank you so much for, for having me on this. It's, uh, hopefully beneficial for everybody, um, out there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, to our listeners, uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, drop a comment or, um, or you can email me directly at a goldberg at awmcap.com. If you have any questions, uh, if you're watching it on Instagram or IGTV, you can drop a comment there. Um, we want to make sure that we're answering the questions that you have and, and getting the right feedback back to you. So uh, happy to answer those questions if you have them. So Brendan, again, appreciate the time. Uh, hopefully this is a great uh, half an hour spent for the people listening. And until next time, be a pro and own your wealth. Thanks a lot. The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized, financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.